So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter. I know we've been in Revelation and I've jumped around there before Christmas, but this is all really leading towards the message. And I want to talk a little bit about the rapture this morning. It'll be very brief, but it kind of sets you up for that as we have had uh, done a lot of research lately. Not so much this week, but I have in the past with the rapture, so I don't want to get too deep into that. But I do believe that when the day of the Lord comes, He come back to get us. The word rapture is not mentioned in the Bible, but the implication is several times. And, and we'll see it here in Second Peter, actually. So I'm going to go ahead and jump to the last part of the letter, Second uh, Peter chapter 3. In Second Peter chapter 3, it's just before 1 John and kind of crunched in there after 1 Peter, obviously, and, and uh, after James. So it's just a small letter, but it's very impactful. If you read the whole thing, you know that this is the second letter that Peter's written, and he takes a lot of time to warn believers in false prophets and in teachers that are coming that aren't going to be speaking the word that they should be speaking and to not be misled, but to be found, uh, have the firm foundation in your faith. I would tell you the same thing. So this struck me this week as uh, I read this, that how true it is today that the word of the Lord never gets old. Applicable then as it is now. So Peter wrote this to Christians. He wrote this to believers. So he wrote it to us. And it comes from heaven above. And it says this in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Second Peter. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In, in, in both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So he's trying to remind us of something. He says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and the Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires so he says listen i want to remind you of the prophets and he tells us that and he goes back and takes some time to tell us his experience on the mountain with jesus and uh when, and when the father spoke this is my son in whom i am well pleased and he says i, I was there because i'm telling you he says i was there Peter's, this, you know, when he writes, it's powerful because he's a, he's a first-hand witness. It's not rumor or gossip to who Jesus is. The rest of this is what intrigued me. Because I think we live in a time when we all begin to doubt whether God even exists. Shame on us. COVID has done its job with pulling people out of the church it's very difficult you combine that with a society that's in touch with the entire world through social media and the world feels small I'm telling you it's not the world is a big 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 place there are things in the world that are so beautiful that you can't even possibly imagine that you've never seen places that men have never been women have never been the world's a big, big place, folks. I'm telling you, it's a big, big, big place. And don't be fooled by the fact that we have all this internet now. We can talk to somebody from Australia or Antarctica or wherever. Listen, it's a big, big place. It's a big place. And we serve a big, big God. Okay? And he made us. And he made this planet for us. And everything in it and everything above and everything we see. And it is his. 
And the world would lead you to believe that God has forgotten us. Peter reminds us he has not. I love this passage of Scripture. It's so meaningful that, you know, for generation upon generation, I've heard others say, you know, we're, the time is getting near, the time is getting near, the Lord's about ready to return. I mean, we've, we've heard that, I've felt that, but so have other generations. I mean, if you imagine, if you go back to World War II and the atrocities that were going on there, can you imagine all of those parishioners, all of those people, the congregants were all wondering, when is Jesus coming back? People were being annihilated and, and gassed in, in, in camps. The Jewish nation took a huge hit, right? I mean, was, the atrocities are unspeakable. And there's been many, many wars prior to that. There's been many, many things that have happened in this generation in the last hundred years. But because of technology and all that's going on, we sometimes think that we're smarter than the past. That this Bible is a myth. It's just stories just to make us feel good for a period of time. And a lot of society has bought into that, and you combine that with what I just mentioned and COVID, and you see dwindling numbers in churches, and you see increasing numbers in some of these other cults and faiths that aren't real, and they're based upon people, based upon men. Peter tells us in his, in, in his writings, he says, listen, no prophecy was ever written by man, but rather through man, by the Spirit of God. And it's important that we recognize, and even then in the first century Christian church, they were wondering, where is God? You know, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was silence for 400 plus years. No word from God came forth. We think 50 years is a long time. It is. Try 400. About eight generations. That's a long time. So about 2,000 years ago, we know of this man named Jesus Christ who died on a cross. Right? Everybody knows that. I mean, most people know that. Historians agree with that. There's, there's no disputing that this man named Jesus from Nazareth, that he died on a cross. But he also was resurrected. He didn't stay in the tomb. And therein lies the, the conflict that people go, well, we know he died. The historical documents show there was a Jesus. Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. We know he's real and he did die on a cross. And Peter is reminding us and John reminds us and Paul reminds us and the whole Bible reminds us he didn't stay there. And I believe that, and I know you believe that. And Peter's people, are, they believe that, but they have fallen victim to the world in which they live, and we more so, because we listen more to what's in the papers and what's on social media than we do to what God has already told us, because we're all doing something else, including your pastor. We're living lives and just day to day, and we're just struggling just to keep things together, Right? Oftentimes we get up and wonder, when's it time for bed? Just get me through the day, Lord. Paul says, or not Paul, but Peter, he says, listen to this. <clears throat> Verse 3, knowing 
this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, in other words, our forefathers who have passed since, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, okay, where is he? Everything's continuing as is. Nothing has changed. Boy, do you ever feel that way? Yep. And life just goes on and sometimes it just gets hard. And sometimes almost unbearable. Talked to a woman this week who had been a family member, been a victim of suicide. She just couldn't take it anymore. That's at the lowest depths of despair to take your life. I don't wonder that on anyone, but it points to a problem we have today. It's getting worse. The more isolated we remain, the less church attendance that we go to and fellowship with one another, the more likely we are to fall into these lies that are lies. You are loved. God has not forgot you, nor has he forgot me. And everything we do is for his glory, but most of the time we're not doing things for his glory, are we? And it's hard. And we get discouraged. And Peter's reminding us, the Holy Spirit this morning is reminding us, they will say, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since everybody else died, all things have continued to be the same. And then verse 5, it takes a twist. He says, you see these scoffers, the society, Facebook, Instagram, all the media. It says that they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago. Listen to this. They deliberately overlooked today's society deliberately overlooks the fact that the heavens existed long ago and earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And it says, and that by means of these, the world that has then existed was deluged with water and perished, but by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. What he's saying is the world's been around a long time. The universe has been around a long time. And as I tried to give an illustration in my opening, 400 years versus 50 years, there's a big difference there. But you and I, we're just a mist in the wind. Our lives are terribly important. Yes, they are. But that's not where it ends. It's not even where it begins. As big as this world is, loved ones, and as beautiful as some places all we've never seen, there is another place that you can't even begin to imagine the beauties that are there and the intricacies and the divinity of God Himself and the very presence of where you're at at all times and the light and the glory of His love. And I'm not talking about a boring place where we go and we sit and we sing tunes all day long. 
You will desire to serve God. You will not be able to sin because you will not desire to sin. You'll be in the presence of the Holy God Himself. And living. Nobody has been in the presence of God and lived. Nobody. But we will. I heard a song this morning. I thought, well, that's a great song by Luke Bryan called Up. Up. I mentioned that this morning. That was on my mind. He's talking about looking up. And that we associate godliness, we associate God the Father in heaven because we say they've gone up. Right? And we associate heaven as some remote place and that hell is down. I get it. But the reality of it is the spiritual world in which we live is all around us right now. Every one of us is protected by the Holy Spirit and His angels are with you now. It's like there's a veil here. If you could just break through this this dimension, you're right there. The loved ones who have gone before us are right there. You just can't see it. That's a fact. I believe that with all my heart. And I wish I lived that way every day, but I don't because I'm a normal human being and I have struggles and pains and depression and excitedness and struggles with temptation just like everybody else does. But no, to remember to look up and look out. There is another dimension there that is so real that you could just taste it. There is a heavenly place just waiting for you to literally step into it. And when we do, we're going to go, oh, wow, was that hard. Wow, is this a much better place. Oh, the love that you're going to feel, none of the pain. I've been working on a house this week and I can barely move my knees. No more of that when I get out of bed. Right? I saw the illustration on social media this week of a little boy in a wheelchair reaching up to heaven as, he's, he's, as he died. His dad made him a, a tombstone or a headstone that was a wheelchair and his son literally being lifted up because he no longer will need the wheelchair where he's at. Oh, the glory of God. One of the most difficult illnesses we're dealing with right now that we can't see is the mind. The minds are sick. Our brains are fried. We can't take any more inner, inner information. We're on information overload. And it's causing depression. It's causing anxiety. It's causing anger. It's causing false sense of joy and security. We all succumb to it. Peter reminds us, listen, you need to understand something. The earth and all His glory has been around a lot longer than you, my little man. And He's still there. How do I know that? He says in verse 8 of 2 Peter chapter 3, but do not overlook this one fact. I love facts. Love facts. Especially when it comes from the Bible, which is not scientifically based. Of course it's not. It's not a science book. It's a history book. It's about Jesus. But Peter, or Peter says, don't forget this one fact. The Holy Spirit says, don't forget this one fact. 
What is it? That the, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. And I'll give you an illustration of a man who was visited by the Lord. He was in distress. He was greatly distraught. And he was really struggling with everything in life, including paying bills and all the things that come with life and health. And the Lord visited him. He says, ask me anything you want. This is not in the Bible, by the way. man says, is, 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 is a thousand years really as one day to you, Lord? He goes, yeah, it is. He goes, wow, a thousand years. He says, well, what about a, what about like a, like, you know, an hour? What's that like for you? Oh, that's like a million years. Yeah. What about a minute? So I was like, it's like 10 million years. Lord, can I ask you one more thing? Yeah, that's why I came. He said, I know you're struggling. Can you just put a million dollars in my bank account? Help me out. The Lord says, give me a minute. I'll think about it. <laughs> You see, time to us is different than it is to God, okay? This dimension that is real is beyond time, okay? That's how when I pray for you, God hears that. And when you pray for me, he hears that. And all at the same time. He can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient and omnipresent, all-knowing and always at the... Always in all places at all times. And he's omnipotent. All powerful. He has all, everything comes from him. People say, what was there before the universe? God. We, we don't know what God was doing before he created us. We don't know. Moses doesn't tell us that in Genesis. But we do know God was there. And we do know in the beginning of our creation... God said, let there be light. Let there be man. Let there be animals. Let... He did all these things for you and me. And we messed it up. And it reminds us, just on this time thing, he says, and it reminds us in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. You know, yeah, I mean, what's slow to you and me may be quick to others, right? I mean, when I go through the McDonald's drive-thru, I'm like, man, this, this is amazing that you can literally go through, order a Big Mac, a fries, and a Coke, and they may have 10 cars in front of you, and in literally five minutes or less, you are eating in the parking lot on the way home. Yet people behind me will honk because it's not fast enough. It's relative, right? What I think is fast and Proper. Other people are going, wow, you're so slow. You ever been at a stoplight and it turns green? And some people, if it doesn't right when it turns green, if you're not on the gas pedal, you're too slow. In the meantime, I'm looking both directions because I'm a safety guy and I don't want to get hit. And I can't tell you how many times that's prevented me from being T-boned. Time is relative. See, So he says, what seems short to you is long to somebody else. And he says, what seems long to you is short to God because God is beyond time. So relax. That, that makes me feel better about things, you know. When, I'm, it's, it, when I ask God for something, it's either yes, no, or wait. Always. 
And for me to expect God to say yes to everything I ask is, is foolish, right? There's a lot of things he's just simply going to say no to. And sometimes on the things where he's waiting, we're like, okay, I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And then you hear stories about people who've been praying for 40 years for someone to be saved. And lo and behold, at 76 years old, they come to know the Lord. Amen. And Peter reminds us that as well. He says, listen. <clears throat> and I'm going to skip down to verse 14 because I don't want to keep you all day. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. He desires to know back up in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. I'm in verse 9 now. Is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that He's not as fast as I want Him to be sometimes. Because I would miss a lot of things and a lot of opportunities. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. What does that mean? The rapture. You won't know it. The reason they use the word thief is because you, you don't plan for a thief to come. You don't know when a thief's going to come, but you could put up your cameras and get your dogs trained and have a gun or whatever it is that you have for protection. You can be prepared. What he's saying is be Prepared because when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be at the time where you go, oh, now's a good time, Lord. Come now. I'm being a righteous dude right now. I'm really walking in faith. It's going to be that time when you're sitting in a bar getting stone drunk and you're falling off the horse and you claim to be a Christian that Jesus walks in the door of the tavern and says, I'm here. How's it going to make you feel? What about you, but when the Lord comes, I want to be prepared. I want to be clothed as He would want me to be clothed, knowing that I'm not perfect, but He is. And because He is perfect, Peter talks about that. says, we should desire to walk in righteousness all the time, to be prepared so that we're not embarrassed when He comes back. See, we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by who we're in, and that is Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, if you're going to represent me, represent me. And there's times when we all fail, right? But there's certain things as a Christian i found that God simply will not allow you to do, will not allow to happen to you. There's just certain things you just can't, you just can't go there. For me, physically restrains, takes out of, doesn't tempt you with, he doesn't tempt you, but you're not tempted by that. And you can tell there's a difference between Satan pulling your strings and God putting his arms around you. And, and the more you walk with Christ, the more you begin to decipher between the two. So he says, 
The day of the Lord, the rapture, Jesus will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away and there will be no more. He says, with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and its works will be done and everything will be exposed. Scientifically, it makes a lot of sense because probably the way the earth is going to end, if you don't, if you don't believe in God, is it's going to get hit by a comet. We're going to run into the sun or something's going to happen. It's just going to blow up. Okay, I don't want to be here for that. All right, nobody wants to be here for that. For anybody to think that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who died for you and saved you, that she's going to leave you in the world for that, you're not reading the Bible the right way. He's going to take you out. You're going with Him in glory. He's not going to let you go through that. You've been through enough already in your life, loved one. You've been through enough. And you know darn good and well in your walk with Christ right now how hard it is. It is hard to walk in righteousness. Sometimes the person that's hardest on themselves is you. You. That's the case with me. I know Julie's that way too, right? Sometimes we're harder on each other than anybody will ever be. You don't see the struggles that Julie and I go through. I don't see the struggles that you go through in your marriages, in your lives, in your workplaces. But you have them, just like we do. But I don't see him. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm harder on me than you'll ever be. Which keeps me walking, right? I know you're praying. I know it matters. And you should know too. It matters. It matters not to me. It matters to Jesus. He loves you. He's proud of you. He's rooting you on. And He's given us all the time we need to get straight with Him. Thank God for that because there's a lot of people out there that do not know Him. And if we say, Lord, come back now, how selfish is that? If 10, 15 years from now, there's a million people that could come into the kingdom. But we said, no, I'm going to come now. No, no, no. You see, God's beyond time and He sees that. And he, see, he wants as many to reach heaven as possible. He, he, wants, he says that no one should perish. He doesn't want anybody to be. He doesn't desire that of anybody. He's really trying to tell us that. I, I don't want anybody to, to perish apart from me. And he's doing everything he possibly can to make that happen. He's given us as much time and as much patience as he can. And if it takes another thousand years, then it takes another thousand years. We need not be selfish, but we need to be desiring to be with him. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with desiring to be with Him. But don't lose your faith. Don't give up hope. Don't worry about the length of time. It means nothing. It means nothing what you hear out there. It's just silly. It's just silly. Jesus is just alive today as He ever was and always has been. Everything was made for Him, by Him, and through Him, and to His glory, including you. Including you. Okay? God loves you guys so much. And he loves me. And when I, and when I give these messages, I have to be reminded too, God loves me. Despite my faults and my, my issues. And if he can love me, he can love you. Some of you go, I don't know about me. Listen, there's no sin greater than the grace that God has given you through the blood of his son Jesus, I'm telling you. No sin. There's nothing. There's nothing you haven't done. It's, not, it's outside the, the, the eyes of God and he loves you and he knows what you struggle with. And he says, come to me. Come to me. 
Listen, come to me. I, I love you. Okay. Maybe today you're struggling with something. You don't have to share it with us, but give it to God today. Okay? <coughs> There's something that's been on your mind and you're feeling the Holy Spirit prompting you to do it. Just do it. No, it's not fun. Just, just try. Try. God will bless you for it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your mighty word. It's just as relevant today as it was then and always will be because it is forever and ever eternal word, Lord God. It is your word that brought us into very existence. All that we see and that we don't see, all that we can imagine and all that we, the mind can't even conceive of, Lord God, the majesty and the, the glory of your throne room. Lord, thank you, Father, for sending your son, your one and only son, to die for us. Lord, may we be repentant, recognize who we are. You're the creator, we're the creation. We thank you that you've done that. Thank you that you're patient. Thank you that you're kind. Thank you that your Holy Spirit and your angels are with us right now as we speak. Lord, I just ask that you touch the lives in a special way for those needing it today. A touch from you, Lord God, whether it be healing or encouragement or taking away a pain that they have or just a, a pat on the back, Lord, just whatever it may be, Lord, to just you provide that through your Holy Spirit and through your servants, Lord, us, the flesh, today to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray and the congregation says.